This is So-Called Normal. I'm Mark Gunnick. Hey folks, welcome to So-Called Normal. I'm Mark Hennick. Today on the show we have Bridget Trong, a social media star, entertainment host with Cineplex. She's the VIP host. For those of you who go to Cineplex VIP uh, theaters, you'll see her up there on the screen. Uh, she's a host on CHCH-TV as well. She's a digital content creator uh, and just an all-around really nice person. I really had a great time uh, talking to her. You know, one of the my favorite things that, that we talked about in this interview today, she really validates that it's okay to sometimes have a good cry. It's okay that, that you just need to have a pity party for yourself for a while, although Bridget's very structured about it, as, as you'll hear us uh, discuss, schedules her time for her pity party, and then she goes on with her life, you know? And, and that was so great because it's, uh, for me, it's not that that uh, you know people who seem happy and like they've got it all together never struggle. Sure, they struggle, uh, but just like everybody else, and that's the whole point of the show. Of course, they they get through it. And 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 I loved uh, I love Bridget's enthusiasm, her optimism, uh, as as you'll hear. That when you don't know what's going to happen next, that that's okay. It'll it'll be okay. And you know, I can. I can relate to that too. About a few months ago, a few months ago, geez, it's it's been more than a year ago now. Uh, up and quit my job because I got this book deal, and I wanted to work on this podcast. I wanted to get more on more stages and do more speaking. That's the stuff that gave me the most energy. But I was scared. I was terrified, actually. You know, I was I was uh, climbing the ladder as I was supposed to do, and all of a sudden, here I am without a safety net. I, I had built in in a couple of months to give myself some some wiggle room. And then I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just going to have to figure it out from there. And, and you know, it, it, it was tough, sure, but I wouldn't change it for anything. The lessons that I was able to learn and, and what I was able to take from that, not knowing what was going to happen next, that was my greatest fear. So like anything else, I leaned into it. I, I, I ran toward the fear instead of away from it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been one of the, the greatest times of, of my life. So, you know, I, I hope that uh, when you listen to Bridget, it'll inspire you to take some of those risks too. I'm not telling you to go out and quit your job. So don't, don't pin that on me. I don't want you to, to do that. But uh, if that's right for you, you know, if there's something that, that you need to do, you should do it. And, and who knows? Don't, don't worry that you're going to get it all figured out. If you're waiting for, for all the right answers and you're waiting for, to have it all figured out before whatever you do whatever it is you're hoping to do to change your life, well, guess what? You're, you're going to keep waiting because you're never going to have all the answers. So, so anyway, that's, that's, that's my little tangent for, for today. Uh, I'm going to pass it over to uh, my interview that I have with Bridget. Uh, I had fun. I hope you have fun listening to it. Here she is. On paper, I'm a multimedia host and producer. That's what pays the bills. Okay, so what are the multimedia that you host on? Um, so I'm on television still, which is weird. Why, I why think. is that weird? I, I think because TV's t- TV's. Over. <laughs> you said it, not me. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't know a lot of people who have cable, but right. um, I'm a television host. So I've been reporting with CHCH um, on the entertainment side and hosting yeah. their entertainment shows since 2009. Um, really, it's that long? It wow, has been a long, long time, time, eh? Yeah. yeah. So we started with the watch list, which was all about movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just telling your producer, I've been in this building before because okay. we have a lot of junkets here. Sure. Um, Sorry, not junkets, um, screenings. And um, now I'm on and pop. So that covers all pop culture, mm-hmm. not just movies, film, TV, um, the digital space, fashion, culinary scene, all mm-hmm. of it. Um, I'm also with Cineplex. Yeah. So I yeah. want to talk about that because I see you every couple of weekends when I go to VIP. You uh, go Cineplex every couple of weekends. I do. I do. Uh, and actually, ever since they started opening the VIP ones where you can drink and eat and all that stuff at the seats, I, I, it spoiled me for any other theater. Uh, it's and a I different get to see you kind of every experience. few weeks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. so it's so much fun with them. I've been with them for a couple of years now, yeah. um, primarily in their VIP theaters, mm-hmm. which is the theater that you fancy. Yeah. And I'm really happy to hear about that. Um, so I'm covering right now TV. So the small screen, the big screen, um, and the digital landscape. So right. I do a lot of campaigns, social media campaigns, um, create web series mm-hmm. uh, for various brands. And mm-hmm. it's been 
so much fun because now I'm tapped into kind of all avenues sure. of entertainment. It's always in really the, unique. Yeah, always in the pop culture entertainment kind of sphere. Yeah, I would say yeah. Uh, pop culture, entertainment, and lifestyle. Okay. So a lot of the social media stuff I do with brands, it's across the lifestyle spectrum, whether yeah. it's in food, fashion, travel, you name it. What draws you to that or what drew you to that originally? Um, social media was just an extension of my entertainment hosting and personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of became this creative outlet for me about four years ago when I left my positions full that were full time. Um, I left a seven year relationship, which was all I knew in my 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I felt like we were married. We had a house. We mm-hmm. had a dog and it didn't work out. So th- there was this I'd say summer where everything I knew just kind of fell apart. Mm. And I took to social media as this verbal and visual diary where I can just kind of spew my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was kind of for myself, but I attracted an audience, which was really interesting. Mm. And then I saw just this platform as an opportunity to talk about and create things that I normally wouldn't be able to on television. So that's a pretty dramatic life change then it seems you know to that kind of relationship totally and i think because that was where i was about 26 27 at the time and when that's all you know, you know right, what I mean? Right. You feel like you're an adult at that point. Right. You know, I, don't, I didn't have Every the... 20 year old feels yeah. like they're an adult. But, <laughs> you do. It's yeah. so true. I'm in my 30s now and uh, I still am not convinced that I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> Although the, the grays are starting to come in. That's a whole oh, new yeah. thing. That's yeah. a rude awakening for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the time, yeah, when you're in your 20s, you're like, I'm invincible. I, I've got this under control. And when I say this, I mean life. And you feel like you have it all figured out when you never really do, right. as we just talked about. Um, and so when that kind of fell apart and then I left my full-time position because I was laid off, I was like, mm. who am I? Right. You know, so I, uh, that was kind of the turning point in my career and my yeah. personal life. So how did you frame that? I mean, some people encounter the, that kind of challenge and, and obviously it's scary, uh, but some people don't make it through that, whether they don't have the resourcefulness or the skills or whatever. And some people take it as a challenge just to really barrel ahead. I mean, it sounds like you used it for good. Yeah. And I mean, like, to be completely transparent with you, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. It was either, you know, to take what you have left and kind of run with it or mm-hmm. go after the dreams that you've always kind of put in your back pocket. Right. And now you have the opportunity to go chase it. But I think when you're at that age where you think you were someone and mm-hmm. now you have no idea you, I mean, I turned to partying for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I traveled a ton and wasted so much money on things that right. and trips that I didn't need. Mm-hmm. And I was just always running away from problems. But I, that was a really short period of time. And uh, I became really grounded when I was like, well, I have nothing left to mm-hmm. show at 26. Well, you know, uh, I think you almost need to do that, that whole proverbial find yourself kind of so. thing, right? Yeah, I think it's important. And we all go through it, but I just think at different points in our lives. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So still as a as a young person in media, um, you know, you've you've still been involved for quite a long time. You've had a fairly lengthy career already, almost 10 years yeah. uh, in, in the space. So what what kind of changes have you noticed in either entertainment reporting or the pop culture scene over that period? What's different now from when you started? Oh, man, that's a really good question. A lot has changed, not only just, you know, the landscape in general in terms of um, what you can talk about and Mm. where you should talk about it. Um, But it's just the space is evolving so quickly that there, I think if you look a lot closer, a lot deeper, um, you find that it's becoming kind of this, just this mixed messaging boiling pot, Mm. if you will. And I think um, now that the digital landscape has kind of taken over all other mediums. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of drawing up these problems we've ar- we've always had, like you know, celebrity obsessed culture, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all that vanity that we're right. kind of glued to every single day. I think that's just being pushed more to the forefront than ever before. Yeah. So I've had this conversation many times with my friends in the in the industry, and you know, you hear about the term fake news all the time, yeah. Yeah. and you do kind of see that you do you know no sure. longer is journalism online um, really what it used to be. You don't really need the credentials to talk about certain things no. that you used to. Well, nobody asks. Nobody asks. <laughs> right. Yeah, you can, you know, you can be one person one day and you can be whoever you want the next day mm. simply by changing 
your bio right or right. tweaking your LinkedIn this is a this is actually a funny point so a few days ago uh, here at the studio I took a picture with the Emmy that e one has downstairs I saw that yeah. I was like did Mark win an Emmy overnight well, so this is it so my little social social experiment that I did with this uh, this picture of me with the Emmy uh, I set it as my uh, profile picture on LinkedIn all of a sudden, I started getting so many friend requests or, or, or follow requests from people on LinkedIn. And no I was like, way. where the hell were you fuckers <laughs> six months ago? Now everybody wants to follow me because they think I have an Emmy. Do you <laughs> see what I mean? Optics. Right. Optics. And yeah. I didn't say that I had an Emmy. I didn't say, you but didn't. it was just a picture. And suddenly everybody wants to be my friend. <laughs> right. So, so you've had the opportunity to, in your line of work, interview a lot of celebrities. I have. Yes. Um, you know, some people who are just getting into it versus lifetime celebrities who have been born into it, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's some people seem very comfortable with celebrities. Some people seem uh, suspicious of interviewers, of journalists, of people trying to get the gotcha, the scoop. Mm -hmm. How do you find that that middle ground? How do you develop a relationship within, you know, how long are your segments with celebrities? Not very long, I would imagine. They're not. So it's really interesting how it's structured when I got into this whole thing. I was like, oh, this is very organized. I thought, right. you know, you just kind of get a spot uh, on the interview list and then you just sit down with the celebrity and go at it. Right. No, it's very, it's very structured. So um, when you do get an interview for with an A-list celebrity, it's usually while they're in town promoting a movie. Right. And so they're only given a block of time to bang out all those interviews. Mm. So I usually only get about four to six minutes. Yeah. So yeah. let's say average five minutes per interview. Yeah. And within those five minutes, I know I have to get as much meet as much content right. as I can. Now they and they probably have I mean they they do this so much on these junkets. They probably have it essentially scripted their little 5 minute thing. I would right? think so. Yeah, yeah, because you know, they're the standard questions sure. you kind of want so that you can use that in your show, but then you want to have fun with it too. Right. And my I my research process process always involves watching old YouTube interviews because okay. I want to kind of get a sense of who they are in an interview. Yeah, yeah. Um because I'm not going to find out who they are in 5 minutes, but right. I want to kind of get a sense of the rapport we might have and then well, kind of go off on that. And that's when it's even more important because you only have that five minutes. Yeah. You need something that people want to watch. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So if you're just reading your questions, it's not going to be all that interesting for people. No. So you've got a very short window of time to make a meaningful human connection with them. Right? Exactly. And you know, I mean, you're, you have your own podcast and I think a lot of it, uh, a lot of the good stuff comes from just a really relaxed transparent conversation right. with the other person. So I try to keep that top of mind every single time I go in. doesn't matter if you're just new to right. the scene or you've been doing this for 40 years and you have, I don't know, you're an EGOT status. Right, right. Um, Do you ever want to make a, sure we have that conversation. Yeah, especially for breakout stars and things mm -hmm. like this. And, and I don't know how... You know, I didn't go through the list of all of the different people that you've interviewed over the years, but have you ever gotten a sense uh, that that some of these people are more afraid of you than you are of them? Almost like bears, <laughs> like they're, they're still obviously new to this and trying to figure out what to say and how to how to say it. Um, no, I actually I can't think of a time where I felt like they were kind of nervous with yeah. what could follow the next question, sure. but um. Or, or even if sometimes, you know, some of these celebrities are, have stuff coming into these interviews with them. There's something in the media. There's something in the news. The publicist tells you, don't talk about oh, that. Yeah. You know, all they that do. kind of stuff. Is that ever in the air? Do you feel that when, when you're talking to some I of these do, people? especially when I get the warning before right. I go in. Right. Hey, just a heads up, and I'm as I'm walking in, so-and-so does not want to talk about this. Right. Um, I mean, I'd love to give an example, but I don't know. I don't know if that'll get me in trouble. Yeah, I was going to say, you should probably be discreet. But, I probably um, should. And then I'm like, oh, man, that throws off my whole head game and my vibe. Right. All right. Um, but that's good to know. And then when you walk in, the last interview I remember, when I walked in, I just remember thinking, oh, God, okay, so he's already gone through this, which is why the rest of us are getting that warning. Mm. So maybe he already has a bad taste in his mouth and he's mm -hmm. not going to be as friendly. Mm -hmm. And. He wasn't very chatty. Right. So I think that, like, you know, you just have to feel out the interview yeah, and then yeah. see where it goes. But I always find that the famous A-listers who have done this for a really long time are the most, like, the friendliest. Yeah. And the ones yeah. who have the most to say. Okay. I don't, uh, you probably won't have to be as discreet with this. Your favorite people to interview over the over the years. Oh. I do get this question often. Um, and... It's always the ones with that that clout mm. that are my favorite. Um, Alice Cooper, 
Oh, yeah. One of, yeah, one of my most memorable interviews, it was very short. It was on the red carpet. He was in town to promote his documentary at the time. And he was just so personable. Um, on the red carpet, you have about two minutes, mm-hmm. which is no time. Usually it's one question and mm-hmm. then they're gone. But he stuck around. And, you know, when he came up to me, he's like, sweetheart, how are you? And I was like, oh, hi, um, I'm great. You're Alice Cooper. Yeah. I just, okay, this is, two minutes is up, all right. Yeah, um, yeah. But he was just super genuine and so lovely. Daniel Radcliffe, one of my all-time favorites, mm-hmm. one of the only actors ever in the past 11 years of my interviewing career, where he actually stood up, and he does this with everyone, he stands up, introduces himself as Daniel, oh, that's yeah, so nice. and gives yeah. you a hug, and then wow. you start the interview. You're yeah, like, yeah. oh, wow, you know, like, my neighbor probably wouldn't do that. Right, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> just, funny. Yeah, yeah, very, very personable. Um, Drew Barrymore. Oh. She seems wonderful. Mark, he, she, oh, <laughs> lovely. Yeah. She is wonderful. What yeah. you think that she might be, just based on what you've seen on sure. on the big screen, sure. is exactly who she is. She's super bubbly. She's yeah. friendly. She's giddy. Yeah. Um, and she's very, very transparent. She divulges everything. So it's, yeah. that makes for a fun interview because you can talk about something else outside of, you know, the standard. What you're How, told yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's your new movie like? So what about... Um, you know, especially among celebrities over the last even five years, but 10 years, uh, the conversation around mental health uh, has evolved. You know, right. there, there always used to be the the tabloid cover stories about who's in rehab or who's exhausted or who's this or that. But now people are actually talking about their diagnoses if they've attempted suicide or they have depression or anxiety or an eating disorder or whatever. Um, have you had much experience reporting on talking about these kinds of issues? And, and have you ever had these kinds of conversations in person with people? Um, I've, so I've never um, had, I've never been able to interview celebrities about this really important topic, mm-hmm. which affects all of us sure. in obviously many different ways. Um, but I have spoken about it online, mm-hmm. on the digital space, on my own platforms. And I think it's really important. Like I said, we all experience it in many levels. And I think when you're in, in the entertainment industry, there's so much going on that affects just how you look at yourself, mm-hmm. how you view, view the world, how you look at jobs and money. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that it's a really important conversation to have in entertainment. I think that it needs to be discussed more, and I hope that it's not a trend. Right. Yeah. Do you kind of do you sense yeah, that sometimes? I mean, uh, that used to be a concern of mine when you know Bell Let's Talk first started here in Canada, raising awareness for mental health. Um, but that seems to be less the case now. It seems to be more embedded, and it seems like millennials and younger, uh, and some research has talked about this too, are just way more willing to be open about what they're what they're going through and, and yeah. to ask for help, which is even more important. You know, it's fine to be open about what you're struggling with, but what are you going to do with that? Do you, you know, how are you going to how are you going to navigate that? Right? Exactly. <clears throat> and I think I mean, a lot of us are still trying to figure it out. Right. Like, how do you navigate something that you might not fully understand? Yeah. Um, and I, I go through that every single day. Yeah. As a freelancer. Yeah. How so? Um, I mean, I've been running my own business for a couple of years now and. I wouldn't go back. I love it. It's so fulfilling. I I have so much fun every single day and I take pride in what I do. But um, I remember watching uh, Joan Rivers' documentary years ago. And one of the things that she talked about in her documentary is how she freaks out. It stresses her out when she looks at her calendar and it's empty. Mm. I remember that. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And I was like, really? And at the time, you know, I didn't really understand the gravity of it. Yeah. I was just like, this woman's lying. She's probably always busy. Right. But, you know, she was showing her calendar and there were empty slots. And now being in the position, you know, as my own boss, sometimes I have, you know, months where Mm -hmm. I am just not busy or needed at Mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. And and then there are months where I'm so busy that I don't have the time to sit down and think about what's important for dinner. I don't know, you know, those little things. And so there are stresses on both sides. But um, when I have those slow months, you can't help but ask yourself, oh, my gosh, what is my value? Am I not valuable? I was just thinking about this on the on the subway ride down here uh, today and how I quit my job uh, to go and write this book that I'd been been Mm -hmm. working on. I'd always worked in an office kind of nine to five type setting, often, you know, uh, being ambitious and trying to climb the ladder and staying the extra hours and doing all that stuff. Uh, and then realizing that I, I, I was thinking this morning that my concept of working hard every day meant doing something every single minute. And yes. that if I didn't, 
maybe partly because I was raised with this scarcity mentality where you had to to make something good with the time that you have. But if I didn't, I felt like I was being lazy or unproductive or or unuseful or whatever else it is. Uh, but then I started to realize that doing something like this podcast, you know, you can come in and, and record two episodes a day or something like that. You're not working every single minute. There's actually quite a bit of downtime in between, but you're creating something much bigger, right? Mm. So it, it uh, that's something I was just musing on today that um, quality uh, over quantity of the of the work that you do, right? That's important. Yeah. I really like that, actually. It's a good way to look at things. So now, of the work that you do, what mm-hmm. gives you... What gives you the most energy? I mean, it sounds like because you run, run your own business that you get to focus on the mm-hmm. things that you want to focus on rather than all the other stuff, right? Yeah, and that's why I can't go back because right. it gives you this high. You know, you have so much control over everything, yeah. which I think for me is important. Um, although for some people, they might think I'm a lunatic. But the, the, <laughs> you, is, is the control piece, you mean? Is, yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. At any th- uh, the projects where I get, <clears throat> excuse me, the projects where I get to have full control, yeah. you know, on the production side, writing, the editing, mm-hmm. all of it, mm-hmm. that's what gives me the most excitement. Is it because of the end product and looking at it and seeing I created that? It is, yeah. yeah. And I think because for the longest time, and, and you know, I've thought about this a lot. I'm a very, uh, I like to reflect a lot on what I do and who I am. But I think it's because growing up, um, and I love my parents dearly, but I, I grew up in a household where I was being told you know, what I should do and what I shouldn't do all right, the time. Right. Um, and even today, right. you know, my mom will call me on a Friday night like, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, oh, it's my friend's birthday. We're just going out and celebrating for a bit. Okay, make sure you don't drink. And right. I'm like, oh, mom, I, I'm 31. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always, you know, right. you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do So when I can just fully do it all, right. that excites me. So a strict household growing up as well? Pretty strict, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, is this an Asian thing? I think is it, it is. Yeah, I, because, don't, I think it is. Because I, I hear, you know, of course, of, of the, the um, uh, B being the Asian F and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Was that <laughs> re- reflective of your upbringing as well, where, where you have these high expectations? 150%. Yeah. And I was rarely ever that A student. Right. So it was right. tough. It was sure. it was very tough. I failed math in the 10th grade and it was like the end of the world. <laughs> it was. I was like, I am never going to be anyone in life. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what did your parents do? My parents, um, so my parents are originally from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, and really interesting story. When the war broke out, my mom and her family were lucky enough to, to flee and fly to Canada. And mm. Um, and they've been here ever since. My father, on the other hand, when the war broke out, long story short, um, he came from a very wealthy family, and the communist government seized everything. Mm. And so he and my uncle and grandmother um, were refugees and left, actually took a boat to Indonesia, saw and experienced some terrible things until they were able to kind of make their way to Germany and then to Canada. Mm-hmm. So it was a whole process. Mm-hmm. And, I un- and I'm and i the only child. Okay. So I yeah. understand based on, you know, their experiences when they were younger and how they got to where they are today. Yeah. And I understand that protective nature from sure, them because sure. they've seen so much and they can see what can actually happen outside yeah. of your doorstep. Yeah. So they fear of the worst in everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what did they do after they came to Canada? Um, they've just been here ever since. Um, they've always been blue-collared workers. Mm-hmm. But they're still working today. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom works for um, a company that distributes like beauty products mm-hmm. to big companies like Hudson's Bay. And my dad works for Magna. Okay. You know okay. Magna. Yeah, yeah. The, big... the manufacturing yes. company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So did, did you take anything from your... Uh, work ethic, your entrepreneurship uh, oh, yeah. from them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> my parents worked really, really hard to uh, to even find us our own place when we were a kid. Mm. Uh, we stayed with my aunts and uncles for a really long time, stayed with my grandparents. Um, eventually, you know, they fa- made enough money to get their own apartment. And I just saw how much they struggled. And it wasn't their own choosing. It was right. just where they decided to end up and I never wanted to struggle as much as they did. Right. Um, so found entrepreneurship maybe a few years ago, fell in love with it. And that the hustle that is involved in being an entrepreneur is just so exciting. Yeah. And to kind of put that pressure on yourself is, 
It's fun. It's Does challenging. It, it is fun. And I and I can really relate to that more so now than I did. I mean, when I first made the shift about three months in, I went, what the, what the hell did I do? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I don't have any benefits. Yeah, what? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so does it ever become too much? Did you ever have days where it's like, holy crap, I don't know what I'm going to do? Yes. Or, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what do you do? How do you do, how do you figure that out? I give myself, I mean, this might sound ridiculous, but I give myself maybe a solid hour to be upset about it. Mm. I give my, I give myself, That's interesting. I yeah. give myself a time limit. I'll literally tie myself on my phone. Yeah. I'm like, okay, how, what am I feeling right now? I don't like it. I'm trying to pinpoint these feelings. Okay. Well, I don't see myself snapping out of it the next minute. Right. I set my timer and either give myself an hour or two hours to feel that way. That tells me so much about you, that you <laughs> schedule in your self-loathing time. <laughs> That's, oh that's my wonderful. God, you nailed it. I totally, I think you you should self-loathe sure. from time to yeah, time because no, no one else will sometimes. do it for you. That's right. And you yes. don't want to rely on anyone to pity you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll give myself like a pity party for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, that is awesome. And during yeah. that pity party, I try to be as much like as productive as I can be. Yeah. So I'll, I'll literally do a lot of writing and I write down, why am I feeling this way? What do I need to do to snap out of it? Mm. And then when that timer goes off, then I get back into motion. Who taught you that? Who taught you to do that? Or did you just figure it out? I just did it. Yeah? Because I would would spend like days, like Mark, just a, a rational amount of, I don't know, sadness would come out of me. And I would spend two days doing nothing but, you know, stew in my own misery. And I'm like, man, that was a waste of time. Right. So now I'm like, I think it's important to go through the feels. Sure. Um, so let's feel them out, but I'm only giving, this is me talking to myself, yeah. I'm only giving you two hours max and then right. you've got to be somebody. Yeah. But you know, that's such an incredibly healthy way to do it. Like it's, it's extraordinary. <laughs> I've never and talked I, about it before, by the way. Really? Yeah. It's well, just my th- own thing. there's our scoop then. There, there we go. it is. Breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bridget's, yeah. <laughs> Bridget's pity parties. <laughs> <laughs> from two to four on Saturdays. You're not going to have them for me. <laughs> no, well, that's right. But yeah. but no, because you're right. I mean, the the old way to do it, I think, is to bottle it all up and push it way down. And then eventually you have some outburst in the workplace or, or yeah. something. Right. Uh, or the opposite. And I've I think a lot of people have done this where you get so stuck in that place that you sometimes you're there for weeks and then it turns into depression and anxiety and all these other things. So yeah. why not just have this com- controlled explosion, get it out, <laughs> and then move on, right? Controlled explosion. Right. Right. That is the best excuse <laughs> excuse ever. My boyfriend's like, what's wrong with you? I need to have a minute for my controlled explosion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's better than pity party, maybe. I love that. I don't that's know. like the yeah, whole, yeah. Uh, what is it? Conscious uncoupling. Co- uh, yes, I, like I that. love that conscious uncoupling. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody else Semantics. about that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's important. But actually, you know, that's a, that's cool too because how we uh, narrate things, what we call things, is yes. makes a huge difference, right? I mean, words are powerful, you yeah. know, and we interpret them all differently. But I mean, I think if it works for you and it's healthy, mm. then do it. Yeah. 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 Um, you had trouble with your elevator speech. So why is that? Do you not want to confine yourself to three lines of copy? Uh, or what, what's the fear there of, of summarizing yourself in, in so few words? Oh, my God. This is like a therapy session. We're going and deep, I'm right? all about it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, also, like not to say, you know, where's my cake, but I had my my birthday was yesterday. And yeah. so oh, I feel birthday. this is, thank you. This is such a great way to kick off the new year. Yeah. Um, do I feel like, I don't, so I don't want to be, yes, I think you're right. I don't want to be confined mm. to some, a label that I'm giving myself. Right. I don't know what, like, now that you mention it, yes, I agree with that. But I also don't know why that is. I'm wondering if it's because I don't want to be just that one thing. Mm. Or maybe I feel like, who am I to kind of restrict myself to oh, one thing? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I I always, you know, I wake up every day with so much gratitude, especially for my parents who have gone through so much mm-hmm. to to get us, you know, this to create this life in Canada. Um, that I don't want to just be, you know, this one thing in one box. I feel like I can do a whole lot to justify them coming here. Right. If that oh, makes sense. It, so no, maybe that makes that's, a ton maybe that's of sense. it. Yeah. To um, do you put a lot of pressure on yourself to live up to that? So expectation much. so much is it an explicit expectation or is that something that you just 
believe that in order to please them in order to it's not explicit i don't talk about it it's it's a belief and i'm so i'm obsessed i'm obsessed with shark tank (laughs) i'm (laughs) side note and i love robert hirschvac yeah yeah. i love him yeah but he talks about it on the show often sure um with a lot of entrepreneurs and why he will always feel like he will be indebted to his parents Mm. um who are also immigrants Mm -hmm. Um, but nothing he does, no, you know, the amount of money he makes, the success that he, you know, um, receives, none of that will ever be enough to thank his parents for mm-hmm. all that they've done. And I, I truly feel that way. Mm-hmm. So by saying, hey, I'm this one thing, I'm like, well, no, like, what do I change it tomorrow if I decide to do something else? Right. I don't know. I just don't right. want to be locked into anything. Yeah, I don't want to settle down into that yeah. one thing. That's, Does it sound like I have commitment issues? No, Maybe. not at all. Oh. Actually, I'm really relating to it because that's like yeah. my worst fear ever to do Is the same it? thing for the rest of my life. Yeah. Right? Well, it, then how do you evolve? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't yeah. figured that out yet. <laughs> no, but I mean like when you're one thing, can right. you evolve? Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you can. Yeah. I don't know. My my mother went to uh, Catholic school. We were raised Irish Catholic, or I say Irish Catholic. They were actually Ireland via Newfoundland, via Cape Breton, all kinds of mm. <laughs> steps in between. But um, part of that was that, you know, they wore un- the uniform to school every day. It was strict. They were taught by nuns, all that stuff. But even within that really restrictive uh, kind of environment where you're told almost everything that you have to do, they still found little ways to be creative, little ways to to change, to evolve, to to put their own spin on even something uh, very tight, right? Mm. So, so I think that people do find ways to do it, but I don't know. I have the similar fear to you that I, I just couldn't be confined like that, right? I think that, and do you have your thirty-minute elevator pitch? No, I don't. Down? know. I don't know. And, yeah, <laughs> I, don't I don't even know, know if that's necessary <laughs> nowadays. But. but well, so apparently it is in order to oh. to convince people of things, I guess, or what you do. I don't know. I change my Twitter bio all the time, so I don't know. <laughs> that's don't how know. you do it now yeah, in two thousand nineteen, well, exactly, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This idea then of, uh, and I think it's a fairly common story of immigrant parents coming in and wanting the best for their kid, uh, especially if you're an only child. I think there's a lot mm-hmm. there, too. And then you wanting to reciprocate that. What about someday? Do you ever plan on settling? I know we just talked about not not uh, getting too, too stuck, but settling down, having a family uh, mm-hmm. and trying to raise your own kids. I don't think it'd be wise of me to say no. Right. Definitively no. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, just things... not even not even close to there yet, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, things change all the time. Sure. I've never been. Uh, it's never been a priority for right. me to have my own family. I think it's a beautiful thing to have your own family, though, which is the funny part. Yeah. Um, but I've just always been so focused on my career. Right. And. I just I love creating content that's just I think about it all the time while mm. I'm eating dinner while I'm brushing my teeth mm. I just I think about stories to tell mm-hmm. um, that I don't necessarily think of my own stories reading to a kid at night yeah <laughs> cleaning yeah. changing diapers and all that stuff I mean, yeah sounds fun yeah well no it doesn't <laughs> no, it's not. I know yeah. you have two baby boys I at do home, yeah so I just... it's not fun <laughs> no but, <laughs> but uh, no the reason I ask though is because sometimes you hear about the the generational change that you know um, your parents came here to do all this and that you wanted to validate that. But then a generation in, there's less of that pressure, right? So then how do you communicate that work ethic to others, that, that dedication to others? Right? It's a very good point. Yeah. Um, I, well, my parents do not put the pressure on me to get mm. married or have kids, which mm. is, I think, interesting for Chinese parents. Is it? I think so. Yeah. Um, but, and based on my cousins too, I know they kind of, some of them get the pressure. But I've never been pressured to, you know, take that next step Mm -hmm. Um, and I think because they know where my head is at but I would love to pass on all of my experiences and whatever wisdom I have Mm. to um, a younger generation I don't necessarily think that it needs to be a generation that I create on my own sure (laughs) (laughs) hey you said you're a creator (laughs) that is very true um but i mean i worked with big brothers big sisters for a couple of years and i loved it but organizations like that where you know um you can partner up with them and tap into a younger generation who every i think everyone needs a mentor but who really could use a mentor 
Now, do you think, uh, because this is, again, a generational shift, I think, there's far less pressure on women, especially, it seems, anyway, speaking as the white guy sitting across (laughs) the table, but um, (laughs) there seems to be far less pressure on women to start a family, to settle, all this kind of stuff. And I don't think there's ever been that pressure on men, of course. Uh, But do you feel that, too, that it's just not, you know, an expectation? I definitely feel that. The narrative has completely changed, Mm -hmm. and I think, um, given the past year that we experienced, as well and how you know female empowerment Mm -hmm. is such a hot topic Mm -hmm. um, as it should be Um, but right now because it is I think that the whole message behind you can be whoever you want to be and Mm -hmm. you can live the life that you want to live um, is really resonating with every Mm. every demographic um, within the female community so I think that yeah there's no pressure nowadays to really fit a certain type of mold which is so exciting right it's so exciting I I find in the you know where I live in the mental health community um, there still is that confine and and this is why I'm so interested in, in what you're talking about here, because people apply these labels to themselves all the time that they mm-hmm. they receive a diagnosis, maybe or or they they feel all the symptoms, even without the diagnosis uh, of depression or anxiety or, or an eating disorder or personality disorder, whatever. Uh, and then I think there's a risk that they over identify with that label and then they feel like sometimes they can't break out of that label, that then the label owns them instead of the other way around. But what you're saying is that with that aversion to the label, you get to create that. You're the one that gets to to call yourself whatever you want. You know, you don't Personally. have to fit in, into that box. Yeah. And are you? Do you think that being a female is a label, like being a woman or a man? Do you think That's they an have interesting kind of question. Yeah. become labels in their own right? Turning the tables on me. Yeah. Well, I mean, now that you bring up labels, I, I was just thinking. I'm like, well, it kind of is. I think it is. I yeah. think it is. And and certainly, you know, I experienced this growing up. What it means to be a man. What it what a real man is supposed to be. Yeah. That doesn't even mean anything anymore in terms of especially in terms of millennials and younger Um, so I think that is true you know you you hear about this all the time in uh, high schools with bullies and there's been some research to suggest that if you call someone a bully uh, and you label them that it doesn't matter if they actually ever were or they were but they'll start behaving that way because that's the label that they've received right right so I think that we do a lot to try to I I guess we try to, to 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 give ourselves sense to make ourselves fit to make ourselves run with the crowd, whatever crowd we're told to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You've never felt that way, though. It seems that yeah. you want to <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, do your own way. When yeah. I was younger, absolutely. Yeah? Especially okay. in my early 20s, too. And that's why I kind of find myself, I found myself in a position of, um, I don't know, I felt like being a, a young housewife um, with zero experience in the real world. Um, so, yeah, I found myself kind of in this box for a while. You know, that's true. That is, so it almost it sounds like it almost went in the opposite direction for you. You totally were settled did. down through your 20s in many ways. Many, many uh, ways. And broke out. Personal and professional. And I think that's why today my paradigm has completely shifted. Right. Um, and I'm super different than who I was at 26. But I think, yeah, going back to the labels, I think there is a particular label with being a woman now. And that is that you can just redefine what it means to be a woman right. and in your own way which is nice yeah and I, and I think th- I think the same is true for just about everyone every yeah. everybody but every every label too that mm-hmm. you know you, just because you call yourself something or somebody else calls you that doesn't mean anything you get to decide what that is exactly yeah exactly so me coming up with like an elevator pitch I'm like right. Mm, right. like what does that really mean yeah you know yeah yeah what do you see coming down the road for you then? I mean, if if, mm-hmm. if it's always changing, if you're always creating, um, is this going in any particular direction or are you just taking it day by day? This is such an interesting conversation to have because I was I was talking to my boyfriend the other day and he's like, Bridge, you know what you are and I love you, but you need to know this, that you're more reactive than you are proactive. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, Thanks I mean, for that... coming out. But like at first, I was like, "What? <laughs> what is this?" And I'm like, "Wait a minute, keep going." Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like, "Let's, for example, talk about your career. You are very, you're a very day to day person. You like right. to live in the moment, sure. which there's nothing wrong with that, yeah, sure. you know. Um, but in that, as you're growing up, you need to plan, you know, certain things for the future. So you got to be proactive. If there's something that you want to achieve mm. six months from now, you got to work back. You got to mm-hmm. see what do I need to do. Maybe you know." Uh, what kind of calls I need to make, what kind of emails I need to do um, in the interim 
to get to that point in six months or right. whatever it is. Right. Um, but you kind of react to things that come your way every day mm -hmm. as opposed to planning for those little steps. And I'm like, oh, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Okay. Um, good talk. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> nice pep talk. Yeah, Thanks nice for that. Talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that being said, and I don't think I'm the only one out there that's kind of like that because we're expected to take on so much every right, day. Right. Um, so it's hard not to just look at the responsibilities that are coming your sure. way at that point in time. Um, but looking ahead, honestly, I, I, it scares me to look five years in advance. Mm. So I'm going to stick with three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that feels more manageable. That feels you. more yeah, manageable. Yeah. But um, in the near future, I really just want to create content and partner with brands who believe in telling honest, truthful stories mm. that tap into everyone's lifestyle. We all have common threads and mm. mental health is one of them. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that maybe we don't all talk about. It's something that we all deal with. So as humans, I want to find those, you know, through lines, those storylines that can allow us to connect with one another more and mm -hmm. find commonalities a lot more mm -hmm. versus differences. Yeah. And hopefully I can continue to do that in the in the near future. But then three years, I definitely want to have some big series out that tap into that. Okay. Yeah. 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 So now I, I like when you create those um, little short bite-sized tutorials. Oh yes, you call them. yeah. Thank because you. you touch on a lot of these themes, and this is one of yeah. the reasons that I wanted to talk to you as well. So what motivates those? Do you just get an idea while you're brushing your teeth in the morning, and then flip on the camera and do it, or how much planning goes into that? You know what? It's a lot of it is based on emotions. Yeah. Uh, which is, I guess. Interesting, because a lot can come from that. Um, but it could be topical. It could be emotion-based. And yeah, sometimes I'm literally, it could be something we're talking about today, mm -hmm. and it'll spark an idea. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll just flush out the script, and then I'll just bang it out. And the reason why I wanted to do these tutorials was because I wanted to offer advice. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I wouldn't call myself a fashion creator or just an entertainment creator. I kind of talk about everything and mm -hmm. life is a big thing. Kind of, you know, the pursuit of, you know, your own purpose and being who you are is a really big topic in a lot of the things I discuss. Mm -hmm. And so I thought these little videos hopefully can inspire someone out there to get off their butt mm -hmm. and take control of their lives, A, or B, just go after it. And I've been doing it for a little over a year now, and I've gotten some great reception. Yeah. Cineplex picked it up. Oh, did they? This past year. Oh, yeah, great. which was really exciting. So I, I uh, created a bunch for the big screen before the movie starts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's the reason why I do them versus just writing a blog post or, or just a little yeah. Instagram caption. I thought, let's create these like short bite-sized videos that will hopefully sure. just allow one person to think. Yeah. Yeah. To well, shift and, the paradigm. And bit. certainly the video content is way more engaging anyway. For, oh, thank for you. Your, well, and especially for uh, our audience. I think we share, you know, we share a demographic. So, mm -hmm. um, what has the response been like from that demographic so far? What, what kind of things are people telling you about these, these things you're creating? It's really interesting. You get people who reach out privately and tell you, mm. just spew, you know, tell you about a really, really terrible experience that they recently had or have had um, and why this tutorial really resonated with them. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's like, this is incredible. I can't yeah. believe we're finding this connection. I have never met you before. And this little video that 60 seconds can shine some light on a problem that you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, or you'll have someone just message you and say, oh my gosh, this put such a huge smile on my face. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't even know I was like watching, but the, well, man, I just yeah. found myself watching it three times in a row. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's amazing. That's great. Thanks for the view counts. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you kind of runs the gamut, but it's really, really neat. And that's why I keep doing them. Do people ever ask you how they can do what you do? Yes. Yeah. So what, what's All it? The time. I, I find that question really challenging, actually. How do you answer that? Um, so we, people ask you too, like, what, what yeah, do you do? All the time. Yeah. Just, how do I be an advocate? How do I, you know, be a speaker? How do I be a writer or whatever? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't friggin' know. Cause I'm, <laughs> you just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I just do it. I just figure it out as I go. I don't know. Uh, so, but you have a bit more intentional of an approach than I do. Uh, I don't know if I have an, an intentional, no. well, with the videos, yes. But sure. when someone asks me, yeah. how do you do what you do or how can I do what you do? Um, uh, I mean, like, I, there are certain answers, but it all comes down to, and it might sound cheesy, but I always tell them, if you don't believe that you can do it, no one else will. Right. So, and I mean that in the sense that, like, if you don't, Mark, if you don't wake up today 
and feel confident enough in who you are and what you're doing and the purpose of what you're doing, the person listening is not going to believe what you're saying at Mm. all. So you got to really believe in yourself, why you're doing it to begin with, and then you're going to find an audience who will believe it too. You know, and I find that the biggest... The worst piece of advice that I ever give people, uh, but I think is the one that's helped me the most, is that you're going to fail. Don't be yeah. afraid to fail. Actually, it's lean into the failure because that's how you learn how to do it. Exactly. You're absolutely right. And, you know, when you fail, hopefully you can see those as like really important lessons to take with you. But if you don't believe in yourself and why you're doing something, you're not going to have any motivation right. to find those lessons right. to keep on going because it gets tough. The going yeah. gets real tough. Well, and if you're if you're going in expecting that everything you do is going to be amazing and successful and great, and you only see the stuff that's successful, you don't see the ten exactly. failures before that, right? You don't see those pity parties that you right. throw exactly. for yourself, yeah, or, or the, the controlled explosions. <laughs> the controlled yeah. explosions. <laughs> count your blessings, you don't see them. Yeah, they exactly. Ain't pretty. Yeah. yeah, but it's true. And and do you think that you know, looping back to the celebrities that you interview, mm-hmm. your own creation. This image that we cultivate, that Twitter bio, that elevator speech, whatever. Yes. How authentic is it for most people, do you think? I don't know. This is such an interesting conversation. I have no idea because you see it all the time. Let's say, for example, Instagram. Right. Um, so I think when you go into Instagram in your bio, you can pick um, like a tag, not a tagline, but you can pick a like a subject of who you right. are. Yeah. So whether you're an entrepreneur or a blogger, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And public figure Mm -hmm. is a really big one. And -hmm. I had this conversation with a friend in the summer at a conference. Like, what does a public figure mean Mm. anymore? And I I don't, we we couldn't figure it out. I guess if you have some kind of public social media profile that makes you a public figure now. And maybe this comes back too to those celebrities who are, have been really successful and are secure in their success. Um, I don't, I don't, think they see themselves necessarily as a celebrity as successful they're just doing the work and then the credential comes on after that the the acclaim comes on after that but the people who are striving for it the people who are trying to grow into their pre-written bio whatever it is this construct of who they think they should be they're the ones that never seem to really attain that right right? yeah so to answer your question i don't i don't think that there is a high level of authenticity i think everyone's just you know, we have we live in this culture. We've bred this culture where everyone's just trying to be someone. Right. Well, let's be honest. On social media, I'm not going to follow someone who's miserable. Right. I'm not going to follow someone yeah, yeah, who yeah. just talks about, you know, yeah. eating Cheetos and not having a job every day. Right. I don't keep photo albums of all the funerals <laughs> I've been to. <laughs> you know? No, you yeah. don't. And yeah. so on social media, you, you tend to follow people who have these inspiring lives or lives that you aspire to have and I, I think subconsciously yeah. maybe that leads you to believe that you need to project that image too in order right. for someone to like you yeah we're attracted to what we want or what we think we should have or could have or whatever and for many people that does serve as a motivator I think yeah for many others you hear about the you know FOMO all the time fear of missing out and all these people off on their great vacations and doing these great things uh, meanwhile they're probably sitting in their apartment putting filters on their pictures you know, yes. <laughs> doing all the the facetune stuff yeah exactly <laughs> and people bank those photos too they're not yeah. on vacation well, all and year. this is it yeah, yeah. And schedule them out and, yeah. and do all this stuff yeah, yeah. but but people really believe it. And I think we're still in this really interesting place in social media where, you know, it's not really new to us anymore. But Facebook started when I was in college. Like, it, it's yes. not that long ago. No. So I think we're still trying to figure out that this isn't totally real life out there. Right. It's not. I think I mean, I'd be lying if I said that I, I weren't strate- strategic with my posting. Yeah, 100% sure. I'm strategic. I'm not like, you know, like I'm not going to post a picture of. Well, last night, for example, it's my birthday and I didn't want to do anything so I sat and watched Fargo all night and watched <laughs> and, and ate cake nice. it was amazing yeah, it was yeah. amazing um, but I didn't think to take a picture of it for some reason right. I mean I would have but I just didn't think about it meanwhile um, if I were on a red carpet 100% I would sure, pick up my phone sure. um, so I don't I don't know what that is I think that's, we all that's do so it interesting though. yeah I did um, so I have three months of posts scheduled out on my Facebook page. Like, it's, it's just Amazing. easier. Yeah. Um, and it's often just thoughts or things that could be evergreen that if it's a poll or if it's a question or something, 
I'll probably forget it. So I'll, I'll schedule it out because it doesn't need to be there now. So it, it, it's all still very organic in that way. But I notice that what by far gets the most engagement are, you know, I post a, 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 a picture uh, of me at the grocery store uh, just having a very normal life moment. <laughs> and yeah. that's that's the stuff that seems to get the most response in many ways. Amazing. It's not this curated stuff. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. I don't know if that's partly just because of the... I, I don't think that I have a brand, but, you know, working. But it's the authenticity that well, makes Well, this is it. it. Yeah. Right? You know, talking about mental health, talking about free expression, all that kind of stuff. That's part of the package. Whereas in your world, the entertainment world, there's almost an expectation on you that people will see pictures of red carpets, I think, and, and see all I these other so. stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, I should probably make a better effort at maybe showing that grocery side to me or, or that <laughs> no, Fargo well, side. No, I don't know about that. But, <laughs> but, and that's it too. Actually, I don't think you can, and you see this sometimes, uh, contrived authenticity. Authenticity. People oh, trying yeah. to just fake authenticity, which doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> how, do you, how do you fake authenticity? Yeah, really. Look how authentic I am, right? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. quite work. I think because I've been in... Um, like social media has been an extension of my business for a couple of years now. I always remind people, don't hang your hat on one thing, especially social media. Mm -hmm. It's evolving so quickly. Um, Sure, there are huge social media influencers out there who create a fantastic living just off of one platform, can potentially turn it into something else one day. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't just hang your hat on being a quote-unquote influencer. Right. But I don't like it doesn't we, even mean anything. It doesn't actually, mean anything. A and B, what's going to happen in a few years? It, right. I, I don't know. I, right. I don't think Instagram's going anywhere. I don't think Facebook's going anywhere. No. But I mean, look at Vine. Well, and you have a, a I think anyway, a very authentic, bubbly kind of uh, personality. Thanks, I try. Well, it's, it's true. Yeah. But it doesn't come off as an affectation at all because it seems like, yeah, no, that's pretty much how she probably is. And, and it turns out it is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think, anyway. Yeah, my um, pity parties are usually pretty upbeat. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Other, th- other than that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think that, that that comes through. That I, I think that you can see when it's a veneer, when it's just a construct, mm. right? Yeah. Versus somebody who's really just doing what they love. And they just, and, and that's driving it. Yeah. I think it, personality comes through. And brands are, I, I, they are weary. Mm. They still are, you know. I think influencer marketing is huge. Um, and it's probably not going in anywhere in the foreseeable future. But um, a lot of brands are a little weary about maybe carving out a bit of their marketing budget for mm. this. Because like you said, how do they really know what the payoff mm-hmm. is? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's a back end thing for them to figure it out now. But they don't they might not really know versus right. a commercial or whatever. But what is the future then of uh, in, in your perspective doing mm-hmm. what you do, you know, uh, certainly being on the personality end of it? Um T- we're moving away from TV advertising, newspaper advertising's in the toilet. Like, oh, gosh, so what is the sad. what's the future then for brands? I think in w- w- different forms of storytelling, mm. they're gonna find ways to incorporate their brand, their messaging, um, into certain stories that are being told. So whether it's in a trailer, mm. um, because everyone's consuming content on their phones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's in whatever, short shareable content, whether it's in a blog post or whatever it is, they're going to find ways to kind of weave their name in there. Mm. And I think it's a smart way to do it. I remember going to a conference a few years ago, and I I know him now, David Beebe. He was the former VP of content for Marriott. Mm-hmm. And he were, he was one of the people that were instrumental in bringing M Live Studios to the forefront. And you know, you think of a hotel chain like Marriott. Mm-hmm. What? You have a studio? You're creating content? Yeah, that's what they started doing. And they created this short film called The Two Bellmen. Mm-hmm. I think it's on YouTube. Won some awards. Fantastic oh. short film. So much fun from start to finish. And the idea was, you know, having these two bellmen um, and they're on this whole heist robbery thing mm. that's going on. It's a short story. But it all takes place at a Marriott hotel. Right. Now, is that the background or is it really product placement out front kind of thing? Um, Because the story was just so engaging mm. and it was so um, just exciting to watch, you weren't really looking for those obvious logos. And maybe right. it wasn't obvious. Right. Um, but you knew it was taking place at a Marriott sure. because there were two bellmen and they're at a hotel. Right. Um, 
And that was really smart. That that really changed the way I looked at storytelling, sure. especially with brands incorporated into it, because Simon Sinek, and I'm sure you're mm-hmm. familiar with Simon Sinek, yeah. talks about the why all the time. It's, you know, people will buy into, like, you're looking at a story, you're compelled by it, you might be relayed on some level. Oh, it just so happens that it's promoted by this brand mm-hmm. because they support this vision mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that totally changed the way I told stories. I always put the story first, and then if a brand comes in, then we mm. we fit in the messaging in some way. So that that the Trojan horse then is relatability in terms of, of yeah. storytelling. Yeah, that that if you can relate to people first, you're bringing along this other thing with you, which oh by the way happens to be this hotel chain or whatever. Yeah, uh, that it that it's not just beating people over the head with the brand. Right? Exactly, because yeah. people yeah. see shit all the time. They're being yeah. like sold at. Every single second of yeah, uh, like yeah. their, you know, online life, um, that it's nice to kind of take a break from that. And so, why do you pick up your phone and order something? Yeah, out of you know want, out of need, out of you know an emotional pull. If you can emotionally tug at somebody's heartstrings because mm. they're relating to something you're doing, a vision you have, right. a campaign that you're doing. Why wouldn't you start with the story first? One of the things that I often tell people who are struggling very acutely, um, I did, I said this in my TED talk at some point too, that be, it's because of their struggle that we need them to be involved in in conversations, changing mental health, and in getting involved in workplaces, getting involved in media, because that's your in. It doesn't. You, you can go two ways with it, with with whatever your struggle is, with whatever your story is. You can get stuck in the in the in the pity party in the symptoms in the controlled explosion the uncontrolled explosion whatever it is uh, or you can do something with it those are pretty much your only two options right much, it yeah. can do something to you or you can do something with it exactly. uh, and and that i think is is up to you you know yeah. it, it doesn't have to be a big showy thing but do something with it it's your content so do something with it exactly right? and it's exciting to see I like, you know, yeah, there are holes in influencer marketing, but it's really exciting to see brands kind of take that leap in marketing Mm -hmm. and partner up with people who have stories to tell, um, who have, and their stories affect thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people who are following them. So that's the influence, you know, is that relatability that they found between this entire audience they've created on their own. And that old that old uh, uh, quote that the the most individual things end up being the most universal. You tell a very specific story that only you one time experienced or something. And it turns out, oh, by the way, thousands or millions of other people know exactly what you're talking about because they've been there, too. Exactly. Well, then do you think uh, you know, brands need to try to create these general, broad-based stories that get as many people into the tent and to see their logo as possible, or um, to know who your audience is and, and and to tell stories that relate to them. That's what it is, to know yeah. who your audience is, um, because people can cut through the bullshit so easily these mm. days. And if you're really, if you're, a lot of times um, I'll have these brand partnerships and They'll tell you the messaging that they want to get through, mm-hmm. but they want to trust you. They want to trust you as a creator, mm-hmm. and they they know that you have an audience that trusts you. So do what you will with that messaging, mm-hmm. and let's make magic happen. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. But then when you do that, and then they see it, most of the time they're actually unhappy with it. Because, really? Yeah. Because, well, I shouldn't say most of the time, but sure. sometimes they might be unhappy with it because... Um, it's maybe that's a story they're not familiar telling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's just like you said, it's it's that authenticity that they're not used to. Right. Because right. I think when you're working in a branded environment, it's controlled environment, sure. right? Um, mm-hmm. When you're out there in the digital space, oh my gosh, you can talk about <laughs> it's whatever. Free for you all. Want. It's a free yeah. for all, exactly. <laughs> so it's just a different way of telling a story. Right. So I'd really, if any brands are listening, I'd really like it if they were more open to. Yeah. Um, that transparency when you are teaming up with a creator because yeah. you're teaming up with them for a reason, right? Yeah. Um, and usually, hopefully you see the professionalism in them, mm-hmm. um, but you should trust that that story will take everyone far. Yeah. Anything okay. else you think we should talk about? Um, we, 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 we've covered a lot we've of ground covered here, a didn't lot. we? Yeah, we psychoanalyzed great. you. We figured <laughs> out your childhood. I can't believe I told you about my pity parties. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bridget, thank you so much. This is, I love talking to you. Thank you so much for having me, Mark, and thanks for doing what you're doing. 
All right, that's my interview with Bridget. Thanks for listening to it. You can check her out on, uh, she's a, a, an Instagram star. She's on Twitter. She's on YouTube. She's everywhere. So look her up, Bridget Trong, uh, and, uh, and check out her videos. Uh, I want to ask you as well a big favor. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe to the show. Give us a rating, preferably a really good rating. I'd like that. But, you know, I'll leave that up to you because uh, your, your support really helps the show. Uh, if you want to give us some more of your feedback, if you want to learn more about uh, upcoming guests or, or uh, conversations we've had in the past, other things, head over to markhennick.com slash so-called normal. You can also follow me on Twitter at Mark Hennick or Facebook, same thing, at Mark Hennick, H-E-N-I-C-K, one N. Uh, I want to give you a, one more little chance here, too. I didn't mention this before, but if you go to betterhelp.com slash Mark, you can get a seven-day free trial of online counseling. Counseling can be super difficult to access sometimes, especially in person or if you don't know who to talk to or what to talk about. So if you want to just get your feet wet and try it, go to betterhelp.com slash Mark and get your seven-day free trial of effective, safe, highly qualified mental health counselors who can help you out. That's it for the show today. Please tune back in next week, next Monday. We've got another great guest, and uh, I, I hope you, I hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.